Hello and welcome to Game <laughs> Fix episode 53 on this uh, January 20th or 19th, depending on which side of the dateline you are on. I am your host, Andre Cole, uh, yelling at me about Star Wars is our best boy, Pat. So the Hello. best Rogue Squadron is Rogue Squadron 3. Agreed on GameCube. Yes. Uh, agreeing with Pat about Rogue Squadron is Alex. Hey, I'll be working with Amy Hennig soon. Oh, okay. Bring more Star Wars like games. I would, I would believe <laughs> that if you said it. And uh, <laughs> patiently waiting to be introduced, Allison. Uh, patiently waiting, waiting and looking at Star Wars uh models on amazon thanks pat do we just want to talk about star wars for the next little bit i mean i am honestly always game for that but oh. okay <laughs> so here's where ea about. fucked up okay actually ea fucked up um yeah here's where ea fucked up existing wow hey those harry potter games and the odds were pretty good hey nhl uh 2017 i think that was supposed to be really good I mean, it's not that they have really Battlefield. good Battlefield five is really good, but like you have they, to, they didn't have time to kill stuff. And you have to have, well, yes, they messed it up yeah, and then they yeah, kind of so. fixed it and now it's being messed up again. And, uh, there has to be players to, for a 64 player multiplayer game to be fun. Turns out. Yeah. What? Hold on. So you can't just put people in a map made for 64 players and have like four people in there so, and everybody has a good time? You know? As an aside, actually, sometimes it works if you have really good bots. There's this awesome Steam game that people should go buy because it's like $9 called Angels Fall First that is totally based on classic like Battlefield and Battlefront. And it's you have to play with bots mostly because it's this tiny indie project, so there's not really that many people online ever. Um but it's like one guy made it and he diligently updates it every couple of months with like added some new guns and it's very good for $9 and you have to play with bots and they're fine. So that's interesting. It can be good. EA is not good at Man, that though. Do you remember when EA was doing some cool stuff like trying yeah, out like when they were making good Harry Potter games yeah, and like remember when dead space came out and that was totally unique. Yep. Like I need hey, to play. So dead space. The Sims is still fun. That is still a good product that is fun. If you don't want it, then it's not for you. But like if you if it's if it's your kind of game, it's very well made. And they do a lot of free updates to it in addition to the like massive amounts of paid content that comes out. But if you're somebody who plays the Sims and primarily plays the Sims, then you don't really mind spending twenty bucks a month on a pack because you're not spending that money on other games. So how often they're putting it in packs? Really? Oh yeah. There's stuff there's stuff to well, I guess a lot. Yeah, I shouldn't misspeak because I don't know that cadence right now. The last time I was playing, it seemed like you could be spending around twenty to thirty dollars a month on the Sims if you wanted to. Yeah. Wow. Um, As of November twenty eighteen, six expansion packs, six yeah. game packs, and fourteen stuff packs uh, have been released right. for the stuff, stuff packs are free, right? No. The stuff oh. packs are like which which ones are free? None of them. So they oh. the free stuff comes in in updates. They don't okay. those aren't oh, listed in okay. the stuff that Allison just listed. So I can't be monthly because that's not that's that's only like two years worth of it, stuff. Yeah, and it looks like it hasn't been Oh, there's been a, well, actually, there's an expansion pack last November. Yeah, it seems so, like it's every couple months. There's like a yes, like a meaty definitely. expansion, and then there's like the smaller 
packs. Yeah, so the, the expansions come out like twice a year and then the game packs come out like twice a year and the game packs always add a smaller edition, like one of them added vampires. And then the expansion packs add a lot of stuff. Sims, um, Dawn Guard. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but I don't know, I don't, man. I feel like EA has fucked up more than they've done well recently. Like they've, totally. ki- they, they've, yes. they, they've killed Maxis. Like SimCity was bad. Spore was bad before that. I, mean, I actually like both of those games. I wouldn't argue that they're like great. I just thought they were unique takes on the things they were doing. And I liked that about them. But SimCity was just so like you were so constrained. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> I always thought of it as more like building models than actually trying to build realistic cities. And that made me enjoy it a lot more. Sure. Um but but I see what you're saying, and like City Skylines is significantly better, yeah. and like some people will argue less expensive. Sorry, some people will argue that they killed uh, Mirror's Edge. Like I oh, never they, played yeah. the sequel, but it's uh, it's like five bucks all the time, and I think I should play it. Yeah, I, I I have it, and I've only played a little bit of it. Like you I I mean the way that EA has treated things over the past couple of years, actually, I used to be much more of a defender of AAA publishers in general. Not that I had anything against indie games because that would be crazy, silly. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but but I always was kind of more a defender of the like. No, I I really believe that they want to bring good games to people. Yes, they have a bottom line. Blah 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 blah. But over the past couple of years now, I totally would like to i am very much for as many developers getting out of studios or publishers like ea and activision as i can but really ea and activision are the only ones left that are like that i mean ubisoft but ubisoft like everything is under the ubisoft banner there's not like right there's not like sub studios it's just it's all for better or for worse like whether it's the rainbow six siege or the crew two like (laughs) they they there's a sort of cohesiveness to the way that they seem to do business and yeah, support yeah. that I think is more, it's less toxic than what EA and X yeah, yeah. studios. Um, yeah. So um, I, I don't yeah. really, I don't really have anything against Ubisoft's the way they've managed their studios from an outsider perspective, even though they've made certainly yeah. made bullshit mistakes the last few years, but, but I think uh, they, they usually correct them. Yeah. It, just seems, it seems like both EA and Activision are, uh, they've fallen on their own swords. Like they got way too yep. big and yeah, totally. to produce any kind of hit, it has to like, or to more than break even, they have to have a hit. And we just, kind of suspect, we were talking about this about EA. I sort of suspect that you're going to see now that Bungie did it. I think Bungie is kind of a, like a cork in the dam of like, they kind of got out under weird circumstances because Activision wasn't happy with their product. Mm. And that was what made it easy for them to eject. But as that continues to happen at studios like dice and Bioware, I think you'll see that more and more, whether it's them releasing those studios or people, the main people leaving those studios and forming new ones. Like the main people from, Bioware left, but they just left because they wanted out of games. Are you talking about the doctors? Well, the doctors. Yeah. But the doctors didn't make Mass Effect. You know, like they were important, but they, the, I mean, that, that was a those games were made by lots of people. Yeah. Doctor, I mean, Doctor, every game is made by lots of people, but yeah, that's right. like, I mean, Kojima didn't make Metal Gear by himself. There were lots of people who worked on that. Yeah. But I think, think Doctor can't Greg, make a Metal Gear game without Kojima. Yeah. Doctor Greg burnt himself out on the Old Republic. So you can't make a Metal Gear game without Kojima, but you can make a role playing game without the Doctors. Yeah, I think, true. Is but, like, yeah. And it just like, but like, the, can you make the kind of role playing game that people expect from Bioware without them? Because since 
then they've no one is really like inquisition was divisive uh andromeda was a hot mess and that was like internal management stuff it sounds like because they scrapped the game like 18 months yeah. before yeah. to be fair that out. was that was a different studio that was that was uh montreal not edmonton yeah so, but but it had the bioware and, name on and it. also yes, absolutely i know that that i'm certainly not like trying to invalidate or dismiss like y'all's opinions of inquisition but i don't think it's as divisive as we've discussed like if you look at the response to it when it came out it was people were positive on it. Like mm-hmm. it did very well with critics. It won a bunch of game of the year awards. I'm not saying that there aren't reasons why it would make sense that people would be disappointed with it, but I don't know that the response, I don't know that it was more divisive than like mass effect three, for example. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. And I think that when it came out for sure, I, I, it was definitely praised a lot. I just think that as time has passed more and more flaws are being discussed yeah i guess i just think it 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 certainly did better critically over the course of that entire year than like dragon age 2 did dragon age 2 had detractors still has a lot of detractors so i guess i guess my point is not so much to argue that that inquisition isn't divisive it's that they have not made a universally beloved game since mass effect 2 yeah Uh, Uh, i mean evil even i don't you know i don't have the numbers in front of me but i feel like meta or in the mass effect three like critically did well and then right. it wasn't until it yeah. got out to the public that like the fans were like yo what the fuck is this ending totally yeah, yeah. And so I like that, i don't like, think the- critical reception is necessarily when no, i say I'm, like yeah. I, i've heard like a lot of things from like you know i've heard differing opinions from people who like those games i never finished inquisition it's the only dragon I, guess- game I put in like substantial time to but like i've heard things on both sides and whereas most games in the like bioware catalog it's people are generally pretty high on them yeah i've heard from like i know probably 10 people who are pretty into dragon age and i'm counting like the people on this show that are in that and you'll everyone here is kind of the people that i've heard negative things about it from or is everyone else that i've talked to really enjoyed inquisition and i don't really have i'm trying to not sound like i'm arguing because i haven't even played it so (laughs) i don't really have an opinion either way It, it could be i could hate it or i could love it i don't know um, it's just an, I think it's an interesting thing that we fall into, not we as in the people on this podcast, but in the larger community, sometimes people get really ticked at studios, like, but like the, they've had issues for a while, but that's just another example of this. Like a lot of people like fallout four, but I would say fallout four was divisive. It's not like 76 oh, I, I think. thing that they've made that had people had problems with. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I think it was like people were like, really, it's the same shit again, like the with the uh, like bugs and stuff. And I think people were a lot less forgiving right. about that. I don't know if that was because totally. of like critical discourse, like leaking out into like the public discourse. And or, it takes a while for people to finally turn on stuff. But I guess I don't think Bioware, I've heard a lot of suggestion that like Mass Effect Andromeda was the thing that's like, really hamstrung bioware but i think they've had issues for a long time yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that and i mean i, I mean, think games that, take, those games take a long time to make and yeah yeah right but but even like i i, I think that the fan response to mass effect 3 has kind of shifted a lot especially since a lot of people were initially pretty unhappy with the ending but then i think a lot of people have kind of come around on mass effect 3 yeah. um I think but the, but I but I, but, I, but I think that 
like I think that you're right in that they haven't had a game that's universally beloved since Mass Effect 2. The um, thing, and that was released in 2010. So yeah, the, the thing that I remember that really turned people on Mass Effect 3 was the last piece of DLC. Was it the Citadel DLC? The one where basically the writers just went crazy and like put in a bunch of comedy and it was like you're yeah, setting up a house the, party. Yeah, like the yeah, something like that. Yeah, like that's the yeah. last thing I can remember that everybody was like, Yeah, this is great from EA. And I think part of that is yeah. is natural I think opinions on monolithic games and series like Metal Gear, Mass Effect, uh, you know, what Call have you. Duty. Like uh, I'm kind of thinking more narrative ones, but Okay, sure. Sure. Final, Call of Duty Final, as Final well. Fantasy. Yeah, Final Fantasy is a great example. Um, I think it's interesting because I think public opinion will, people will play Mass Effect in 10 years. Like there will be people who play Mass Effect mm-hmm. for the first time in 10 years. And so sort of to your point, Allison, public opinion is going to shift and change on all of BioWare's catalog. There may You may be rereading re- articles in 10 years talking about how we got it wrong when Andromeda came out and then it's a technical mess, but there's some masterful storytelling in there. No, there, there isn't like, it's a bad example. I will not, I, will I not have not played Mass Effect Andromeda and I you do have, not wait, play it. I thought, what? I thought you did. Who the no. fuck? I thought, what? I thought Allison, you were on this, like Allison Mass Effect isn't that bad. I thought you were on this Andromeda isn't Ooh. that bad train with me. Nope. Oh, okay. Allison, well, didn't you play I, a bit I mean, of Andromeda? I, games. I don't play bad games. Yeah, I, I'm on I'm the Mass Effect Andromeda. You, play, you played the crew too. <laughs> you tried to defend that it didn't have competitive. And that was a test. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I defended the crew too for like three weeks, okay? <laughs> because we stopped ragging on you about it. <laughs> uh... But okay, Mass Effect Andromeda. They, I'm just like, it, it's it's incredibly disappointing because like there's so much potential in that setup, right? And then okay. they just like you know, stranger in a strange land kind of thing. And then there are two new alien species in, in an entire galaxy. Yep, that's it. And every everyone else is from the same shit you've seen before yep and just like no, it's oh it's, my god and not even all bad. the races you've seen before yep. it was well, it was know. just like such a fucking bummer you i mean the reason i that. haven't played it is because it sounds exceedingly bad so you know uh, like, I, I i know that it's not that I, bad I had, train, fun pl- I had fun playing it I and just, the gameplay the itself is pretty so solid yeah like i think i think part of it is that i don't need more mass effect I thought that the original trilogy was good, if not great. And that's kind of what I needed from that series. Like I would be interested in something totally new. If, if Andromeda had actually been, there is a colony ship worth of characters from the universe, you know, and then everything else is wild and new and totally different. Then I probably would have been interested in playing it, but. And that's why it's such a disappointment. And I mean, weren't people saying the exact same thing about Halo four years before? Uh, yeah, probably. But Halo four at least wasn't like a mess, but it's it's a tighter experience than like Andromeda. Yeah. But wasn't there like one new alien species and then the rest was like old stuff. It it was one new faction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But that was pretty clear up until they they, they didn't really like say it's going to be some crazy new universe. It was just like. The Prometheans are like just the one new thing. People it were is. disappointed that it was just the one new yeah, thing, but yeah, I exactly. To release. Gotcha. 
anyways, I don't know. Anthem, EA has a lot riding on Anthem right now. <laughs> EA has a lot, Bioware has a lot, and what if I what if Anthem came out, did poorly, and then EA had to shut down? Not not oh, Bioware. EA. It would be. No, I'm kidding. It would be. Really, I don't know. It'd be great. I don't think there's also people be, there with jobs. It wouldn't be great, but it would be profoundly interesting. Yeah. Yes. It'd be yes. Great. Like, oh, they were they were doing real bad. Oh, well, they have to be doing real bad. Like, I think I that Star Dice, Wars money. Dice's have, Dice's mobile. products are not doing. They're not, they're not doing well, but they've also got like that Star Wars mobile money. Yeah, the mobile games are doing pretty okay for them. True, but I think if anything, um, it probably wouldn't be that EA would close down if Anthem does poorly. But I think you could totally see a restructuring that where yeah. they're putting their their money in the right. mobile, and that's the way that they're going to do it. And they're closing all of their larger console and PC studios. Then they'll move uh, into pachinko machines. And yeah, insurance. I was just going to say this is like they'll this disappear. Is Konami. I don't know. There's probably some like legal reasons they can't. Because they're not like a Japanese company or company or something. Yeah. I don't know. Also, uh, they could make slot also, machines. They're a public yeah, they could. Too, they? And then Casey Hudson will go and work at probably Microsoft, not Sony, because that's the bizarre award old version of that. Wasn't hey, it, I'm sure Microsoft would pay him a lot of money to come and work on some stuff. Didn't Casey, Casey Hudson's Fable Four? Casey, Casey Hudson, Hudson at he, Obsidian. Katie, Casey Hudson did work at Microsoft, didn't he? He was working on the AR yeah, stuff. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, actually. I forgot about that. Pretty sure. Anyways, whatever. Uh, video games. <laughs> yeah, video games. <laughs> this year. It's enough Recently. shitting on EA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, video game. You know, do we talk about the Bungie stuff? We, never, we can talk about that later, maybe. Um, but video games we've played this week. I've only played Beat Saber and some demos. Wait, uh, what were the demos? Uh, so a third like demo compilation came out for PSVR. Um, it has like oh. the kitchen thing that was like the prequel to resident evil seven. It was like going around. Oh, it was like, right. And like, Ugh. you get the lady getting in your face with the knife. <laughs> uh, so you're in that, like it's, it's just like a, you're stuck in a chair and you just are watching things happen around you basically. <laughs> kind of like no, bat, thank you. I, I have a PSVR I, and I am not doing that. I, That's like I, that. I've played resident evil seven and I checked out because like, there's a point where like, uh, the girl disappears and you can, but you've got like, head, if I have headphones on, I can hear where she is. And so I'm like, Oh no, she's like right behind me. But if I turn my head and look around, I can't see her. <laughs> it's very upsetting. <laughs> Uh, so I, 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 you know, I was like, nope, well, we're done with this. Uh, and I've, I've beaten Resident Evil 7 multiple times. Uh, do, what do else? You, do you think you'll play Resident Evil 7 in VR? Uh, I'd have to, I'd probably have to buy it, rebuy it on PS4. I've got it on PC. I would consider it if it was at the right price. Sure. Um, so maybe someday we'll see. Or if I can, if I actually take the time and try and get this PSVR and PC stuff set up. I don't know. Um, a, a headmaster, which oh, is like a yeah. soccer, the soccer thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're in like a prison camp being like re reeducated is what they call it. I think, or something. And the entire, you're just like having soccer balls shot at you and you have to headbutt them into the goal and like get points by like hitting certain things. Uh, that, like it's that kind of portal esque and it's writing and stuff. Um, I don't know if it's like wholly successful in that, but you know, I only played a demo of it, which is like four or five levels, I think. Uh, but like, it's tricky. It's definitely like a, 
there's like a lot of physics on there and it's not just like, Oh, well, if I move just right, like you have to really think about the way and your timing on that, which is, and like how far you go forward, how fast things like that. Like you're supposed to sit with like straight back neck, you know, not like loose. So, and then you kind of do a full body, like from the hips, like rock forward to hit the ball. And they're very much like, don't move your neck do this with like your full body. <laughs> we don't need to like snap your neck with this headset on and stuff. <laughs> um, what else was there? Mm, I think was those were the two. Uh, the, the kitchen demo was resident evil. No, I know. I thought but, we were going to segue. Uh, to oh, Oh, d- I talked about, uh, I talked about the resident evil gotcha. last week. Cool. Uh, I'm very excited for that, but also like, I don't like, I want to play that. But I'm I taking don't a look at what's in the demo collection three. Apparently yeah. it was super hot. Oh yeah. I put super hot VR. That was really cool. Uh, and I want to buy that. I just, for right now I cannot afford to buy games except for one yeah. that is not Resident Evil two, which I really want to play, yeah. but I'll wait for it to go on sale. Cause it will probably go on sale pretty quick. Hmm. Uh, which is both sad and good for me. Um, uh, I got, a, I got a list here if you want it, Andre. Yeah, I didn't play everything, but so, yeah, I'll just run through it. We got Astrobot, Superhot. Okay, that was that was in the previous. I've played the Astrobot demo. Okay, Headmaster, Resident uh-huh. Evil Seven, The Kitchen, mm-hmm. Job Simulator, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Moss, mm-hmm. The Persistence, mm-hmm. Thumper, mm-hmm. and Battle Zone. So I haven't played Battle Zone. I was going to, and then I went, no, I'm done because I think I played like an hour of Beat Saber before that or something. Yeah. I played a lot of Beat Saber. It's a good game, and I just I, I need to get it. I need to get the PSVR on PC stuff going because I'm getting sick of the songs on there. Even though I've come around on the songs. Like I'm like, oh, okay, this is okay. They're fine. It's just, there's like the it, there's not enough. Is, yeah, is where I fall on it. It's not yeah, enough. It is not. It is disappointing that they don't have the custom ones. Uh, yeah. Any sort of custom support on PSVR. Yeah, yeah, their claim, his claim, the developer is that Sony won't allow it. Yeah, which I've which heard I've totally say, I've heard people say also that that is bullshit, but I don't know. It sounds pretty brutal. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, Rock Band was Rock Band ever on PC? Uh, Rock Band VR is on PC. Yeah. Okay. That's a different thing. Yeah. Well, I'm just because. I mean, people do custom songs for those games. Um, somehow, I don't know, um, but like I, because like they're not licensed. Like they're all like from, they're all from like a website, and you have to download them and so put them into the game. I believe the way that that works, and I could be wrong totally, but there is a the Rock Band network has uh, tools yeah. to map mm-hmm. your own songs that the yeah, idea yeah, yeah. That indie artists could share them yeah. to play. Mm-hmm. So I believe people have basically hacked together real songs like yeah. not real sorry it's the wrong way to put it uh like like, <laughs> like non-licensed charts. music mm-hmm. yes. um that uh and and, and then you me. can install it through roundabout ways yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it was a Probably. really it was such an interesting process uh pat are you familiar with reaper the daw mm, i don't think so it's a free open source daw it's kind of similar to pro tools and or okay cubase, or cubase Okay. Uh, and what they did is they uh, harmonics had made their own version, like their own kind of fork of Reaper. Uh-huh. So any of the MIDI and any like it would take uh, input data of like peaks and valleys within your audio tracks and stuff like that. And it would automatically make a, a map for you. So if you had all your masters of like or like your stems of your 
your band's mm-hmm. album. You could just basically generate uh, game content right there. And they were doing yeah. that ahead of guitar. No, uh, rock rock band. Sorry, because it was harmonics. Rock band three. Mm-hmm. So I think yep. those tools still exist, and it's probably yep. that's probably what people are still using. Yeah, uh-huh. I think so. But yeah, the issue comes from like I think it's purely because of licensed music versus yeah. people uploading. Like yeah, you know, I think. I mean, people are putting wild shit in there, like the entire Shrek movie. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that video is really good. Oh god, that is so good. Yeah, yeah. I need to get like, on some of that custom stuff. That so I really want to play and beat Saber yeah. badly. Yeah. So, Shrek. like, and there's like twenty something songs in Beat Saber, and they say they've got like you know DLC packs coming for like ten bucks a piece throughout the year. Um, my, which is cool. They should support that game because it's very fun. Yeah. But also, I, I need more than what they're offering. The problem, too, is my understanding. And I don't know how true this is. I don't know him. So were I to ever meet him, you know, could be he's a great guy. My understanding is that the developer of Beat Saber is very fond of his music. Hmm. And that that is part of why there is not already more licensed music in it is because he feels that the best experience would be for you to play the music that he has written for you to play. Hmm. I mean, I mean, there's which there is an argument for that. I I don't mean to paint him as some asshole because I don't. But that's what I've heard, too, from poking around the Reddit. And like, yeah, there there are some very good. There are some like tracks that are like for the game. Like they're not music that I would want to listen to, but like for the game, I'm like, okay, like the way that has you move and stuff is very good. But like, I still have the most fun playing like pop star by the league of Legends song or pop stars or whatever it is. That song is very good. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And it's hard as shit in that game. I always fuck up, but I think I've beat it on expert once. And so that felt good. So Andre, Um, if you were, going to show someone the definitive vr experience right now like it's their very first vr game would that would you start with beat saber uh probably because it's easy to understand right and it's just like and it like it feels good um what would come next for you uh literally the only like uh, probably super hot vr based on the demo i've played mm-hmm. um for that stuff um moss seems neat uh, i want to play more of it and people seem to be just shitting their pants over Astrobot. So uh, that I could, uh, I guess I played like you know I played like the demo is like two levels in a boss fight or something. Yeah, it seems fine. Uh, I, I'm not sure why people are so like crazy about it. Uh, maybe it's because Lucky's Tale was so bad. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, people like I don't, I don't know people. I, I don't know. Astrobot seems fine. Uh, I want I want to play it, but I'm not like, oh my I, god. I had a similar, we don't have to talk about it at length, um, but I had a similar reaction to Tetris Effect, which is like, Tetris is amazing, and Tetris Effect is a very good Tetris game, but after playing like five, six hours of it, I've, I'm kind of like, this will be my go-to when I want to play Tetris. Mm-hmm. That's great, but also, I still don't quite get why people were like, game of the year other than because tetris is really good they wanted to acknowledge tetris but like tetris is like game of the year 1988 
or whatever. Well, <laughs> I mean, to be perfectly fair, though, that is actually one of my favorite VR experiences I've had is playing Tetris. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't have the ability to play it in VR, so maybe. Well, right, but it. but I mean, that, yeah, that, that definitely ex- enhances the experience sure. of Tetris Effect. I think it's also the Mizuguchi factor, like yeah. what, what he brought to it. I think it's impressive. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to take anything away from his work. I just didn't, I haven't found like, I just haven't found anything in it to be like that life affirming or amazing or really, really, really like off the wall, but, but it's a very good Tetris game and Tetris is probably the best game ever made. So I don't want to sound like I'm like, like shitting on it because it's, it's a great Tetris game and Tetris is incredible. So yeah. Oh, you you know what they fucking announced this week is very important to me. Is like fighting game news. Jiren is coming to Dragon Ball Fighter Z. I don't even know who that is. Jiren. He's the strongest fighter in Universe Eleven. Who is the sis? No, he's not the. That's the Universe Six. Is the sister universe to uh, Universe Seven, which is where Goku lives? Because you put the you add the numbers of the universes together and it equals thirteen. So I guess Universe Eleven, sister universe is two. Mm-hmm. I don't think Universe Two was in the, the the tournament because like six of the universes didn't have to enter because they were they were over like a certain power threshold. Mm-hmm. But then Goku and Frieza have to work together to beat spoilers for Dragon Ball Super. I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of, I played Ace Combat. This yeah, week. man. How's Ace Combat? <laughs> wait, wait, Andre. Are you gonna yes. see, Are you gonna see Broly? Uh, yes, I'm going to eventually. Uh, it's now in English, but it's not like in a way that I can watch it okay. legally. Um, right. Anyway, Ace they're, they're they're starting to announce Dragon Ball Fighters season two, and I'm very excited about it. They've announced the first character. Cool. So Ace Combat, man. Ace Combat. Strange you've, real. You've been so psyched for this game. I have, yeah. Uh, I Ace Combat real or how I learned to stop worrying <laughs> and love the drones. <laughs> um, so I, I, uh, I was an enormous fan of Ace Combat four and five, basically mm-hmm. the PS two games, um, and zero, the the prequel to five. Um, but wait, is, that's that's yeah, not yeah, that's like, not how numbers is, work. Wait, but is Kiryu well, in it? Yeah, I was gonna say it's just like suddenly just a Yakuza game. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, but you know, based on Yakuza Six, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, the, the Ace Combat Four was like the first time that I can remember having a video game experience where I felt like I was like immersed. Um. And granted, I was fairly young when I played those games, but like. Uh, there was something about like sitting in front of my CRT TV in my room with the lights off and hearing all the radio chatter between the pilots and like the intense music and those games are hard. So it was like challenging. And so I, I have a pretty fond love of Ace Combat four and especially five because five is the best in the series. Um, at least until now, I don't know for, I haven't finished seven, so I can't say if it's better. Um, but then that series kind of fell off a cliff, like, I didn't play much of Ace Combat 6 because it hit at a time when I was not really in a good place to be into those. I just, you know, being a teenager and like not caring about the games that I cared about two years ago or whatever. Um, I actually, part of the reason I got 7 on Xbox is because it comes with a copy of Ace Combat 6 in backwards compatibility. So uh, I am looking forward to playing it eventually. But after Ace Combat 6, those games just sucked. Like, Assault Horizon is not good. Um, so, the 
so sorry what about them sucks like is it mechanical suck is it story suck mechanical well both for assault horizon really there haven't been that many since ace combat five like there was zero and then there were a couple of psp games that were not very good right. uh and then there was assault horizon which was the first ps3 xbox 360 or no sorry ace combat six was before assault horizon i don't remember i think i think ace combat six was before assault horizon but assault horizon tried to change it up by making it kind of almost more actiony um and less simmy so there were things like and i didn't play a ton of it so i could be misspeaking but there's things like when you got in gun range of other enemy planes the camera did this weird like zoom in thing where you were like now you were controlling the reticle instead of controlling the plane mm-hmm. to like aim the guns and it sucked that's not fun uh and uh it had these like dumb AC-130 segments where you were a gunner on an AC-130. It had one piece where you were a helicopter pilot and you would like fly this slow helicopter around and shoot at ground targets. It just, it, it, it was not very good mechanically. It also did not take place in the strange reel. So uh, it was kind of its own story. It may have even been based in the real world. Um, and it that's just not, wasn't very good. Canon. No. Uh, and then they did infinity, which was a free to play game. That was okay. But I, mostly come to ace combat for the campaign stuff so that never really appealed appealed to me but ace combat 7 is a proper sequel to those to the numbered games uh of your um it is pretty much like from a ace combat game perspective it is pretty perfect uh they did a really really phenomenal job with uh like the controls feel like old ace combat they feel like ps2 ace combat which is great there's a like easy control method where you don't roll the plane and pull back to turn. You just kind of use the stick to make the plane go where you want. I don't think it's very good, but it's never been a good way to play those games. If you play with the like expert controls, it feels perfect. Um, it has the wild story. It has the aircraft tree. So you get points for beating missions and you get to unlock more planes and secondary weapons. Um, there's like a build system where you kind of build out, which I think was in the free to play one where you put parts on planes to create different stat boosts, which is kind of cool to play with. It gives it a little bit more depth from a like loadout perspective. Um, but the, those games are just really neat. The thing, the thing that is weird about them that you don't realize at first is that they're kind of puzzly. Like they play very much as flight sim action flight sims. And if you sit down to play like an online match, that's what you're getting is like planes versus planes, trying the plane that can like maneuver the best and fire its missiles is going to win. But in the single player campaign, while there are missions like that, there's a lot of missions that have a kind of puzzly aspect where there is kind of one, maybe not one, but there's a few different paths to take through the level to sort of beat it optimally and finding out those paths is the way to maximize points and to like beat it on the harder difficulties. Um, like for example, I played, I'm on mission six. I think there's like 20 something missions. So I'm like about a quarter of the way through the game. Um, and, uh, the, you have to score 17,000 points, um, is basically like the, that's the whole objective for the mission. And there's a huge mix of ground and air targets ranging from buildings to planes to tanks and APCs driving around. Uh, and they're all worth around like two to 300 points a piece. 
So if you do that math, that's a lot of things to kill to get to 17,000 points. Um, and it's hard. Like I am pretty good at those games. I'd like to say it all came back pretty quick and I play a lot of flight games in general. So it was pretty easy to slide back in. And my first try last night on that mission, I got like 16,000 points and then I ran out of time and you fail. Um, so trying to figure out the right path to say like, well, I got to go attack this base. I shouldn't waste my time with these buildings cause they're only worth a hundred points. I want to kill these 10 things and then go kill these 10 things and then go kill these 10 things. Um, all while trying to stay alive. Cause like missiles are flying at you and you have to like dodge them and use your chaff and stuff. Uh, it's really, really cool. And the pacing is neat because like the mission before that, uh, was just a straight dog fight. The one before that I had to do a stealth sequence where you're flying in between radar nets. Um, which you can't see physically in front of you, but they're on your radar. And uh, it's made more interesting by the fact that when you fly in clouds, your plane can ice up and become less maneuverable. Uh, and then on top of that, there's like air currents and wind gusts that can make your plane hard to control. So trying to fly through these little gaps in the radar net is really interesting. Um, and then there's more ground attack focus missions. It's just very cool. The, the amount of variety that's on display, it's totally not just, flying around shooting planes. Uh, the story is bonkers in a way that I really like, uh, but I need, I need to know because people keep saying that the story is bonkers, but I, like, I know nothing about the Ace Combat so, stories. So I'll give you like, the, the, I'll, is there continuity? Yes, totally. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Just make it. They have like a universe called the strange real. Yeah. yeah but it's not continuity in the metal gear sense. It's oh, not okay. like, the events of one game lead necessarily directly into the next game. The only one that that's true of that I can remember is uh, Ace Combat Zero. Um, okay. That one is a direct prequel to five. But is it like a fallout continuity where it's like, yeah, all this uh, stuff is happening. The same and there, are, there is crossover between characters. So for example, one of the main characters in Ace Combat five is the president uh, of Ossia in Ace Combat seven. Um, Ossia. <laughs> So what they did was they basically made a, a fake version of the real world. Mm -hmm. Like in the game, it's, it's June, 2019. Um, and you're flying like real airplanes. Um, and except the map is, looks different a little bit. There's like a couple of major continents. One of them is kind of more like Eurasia put together. And one of them is more like North America and Aussie is kind of like the United States and Eruja is kind of like, uh, like Western, like the European Union, sort of. Um, All right. And there's cool. a lot of like <laughs> stuff relating to like, like the, the the events that created the the rust of the current war in Ace Combat Seven go back to after the war in Ace Combat Six. And I think I'm right on this, but I could be off in space in spots because I haven't played four and five in a long time. And I never played six, uh, but it drove a bunch of refugees into, uh, Arugia, which is kind of the, like European union country. Um, and by driving those refugees, there, it created unrest in that country, which resulted in more conservative politicians that are more warmongering rising to power there, which is an oddly, uh, prescient, <laughs> story uh given that this game had to have been in development for quite some time um but uh the and so there's all this this like the thing that makes it so crazy is that there's like these different countries and they have these characters that are sort of caricatures of western politicians 
Um, but not in a, they're not that over the top. They're just a little bit over the top. Uh, and so, they're so doing it's, things it's, like, it's not metal gear rising. The, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's much more like metal gear. I don't even know if I would compare it to metal gear in terms of tone. Uh, even though that's a good touchstone for like how weird it is. Sure. So what I'll do is I'm, this is like a very minor spoiler for the first like two, three hours of the game. So if you're playing, you know, feel free to, to, to hit pause, but it's really not something that happens. And you're like, Oh, the twist. So oh, like, yeah, brother, so the game, <laughs> the game starts off and the story, the cutscenes are kind of following this woman who, uh, her grandfather was a pilot in a previous war. He's probably a character from one of the past games that I'm not remembering. Um, and he died in war and with her grandfather, she built this airplane and she takes off in this plane and she's violating wartime aviation law by flying a plane that's unregistered. So she gets sent to this penal colony on an Island and is like, basically this penal colony is designed to like make fake planes and look like a fake military base so that the erosion army will go there and attack them and waste resources on trying to take it when there's actually, it's really just a penal colony. So they put her on, uh, they put her on Australia. Kind of. It's actually like geographically kind of where Australia is too, okay. but a much smaller <laughs> island. It's like the size of New Zealand. Anyway. Uh, so it's New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, and one of the things that's pretty good about the story is that they're not too heavy handed with saying what they're not like, I don't know how much of a political voice it has, but I also wouldn't call it apolitical either. Um, it's, it's a, it's, it's interesting. They, they walk the line pretty well so that it doesn't feel gross, but that it also does have some things that are parallels to the real world anyway. So this woman's there, she's kind of telling her story through the cutscenes. You also get some information about this pilot who was a noble in a country that Eurasia annexed and, then he became a pilot in the, their army. And then when the monarchy fell and the, the democracy rose, he stayed in the army. And, uh, and, uh, so they're all fighting over the space elevator, um, which is like really important to the, the world, like power grid. They don't really explain how, but uh, presumably it's like, uh, I mean, there's ways in which being in space, you could generate energy, uh, it's technically a thing. So whatever. Uh, anyway, I mean, it is, you can, if, if you launch a network of like satellites that collect solar energy and then redirect it to space, it's been theorized about, you can, there's books about it anyway. Uh, um, the, the so there's a space elevator and your, your character isn't any of these people. Your character never shows up in cutscenes, which is one of the things I really like about ACE combat. You're just a sort of nameless, faceless pilot you, you do have a name, you go by your call sign, which is trigger. Um, but, uh, are you triggered? I, I, that's not the joke. Uh, it does, don't it, worry. But please tell me he says that when he kills. No, somebody. he doesn't like, say I, anything. That's the thing. No, he has no voice. I want, I want there to be at the very end of the game. Oh. He'll like the final bad guy. And then it just, he has no, he has no, does he know it's not a quiet man that's, thing. Okay. Oh my God, please. <laughs> Crashes him into the cockpit. He takes off his mask. Goes, the the only reason cool. that you even know this character's gender <laughs> is because they do refer to him as a he in radio chatter. Because they do talk to you and refer to you in the, in the, in the mission chatter just okay. and the briefings, but not in the cutscenes. So, because your character is kind of irrelevant in the cutscenes. In the past games, anyway. 
so you're like doing a few of these missions that are just like part of this war standard stuff while the cutscenes are sort of disconnected from what's happening to your squadron. Then you have to go rescue the president of Ossia, who used to be a pilot in Ace Combat 5. This is a part that's a little bit spoilery. So you have to fly through. He's being held at the space elevator. You have to fly do a stealth mission through these radar nets to get to the space elevator so that a helicopter can land there, which doesn't make a ton of sense because you're a fighter jet. You couldn't pick up the president. But by flying there, you're like making it safe for a helicopter to. Oh, that's right. Sorry. You have to blow up all these anti-air guns around the space elevator so that the helicopter can fly. That's what that was their justification. Anyway, the helicopter gets blown up on a landing pad, but then the president and this colonel escape in an airplane when you're escorting the airplane, the rest of your squadron shows up because now it doesn't matter because everyone's gone loud. So you're protecting the president's plane. The cockpit gets hit. This is all relayed through radio messages too, while you're flying around shooting drones. Um, the, the cockpit of the plane, the president gets shot at. So the Colonel that was flying the plane dies. And then the president jumps in the pilot seat because he used to be a pilot in the past days, combat games. And then for some reason, they can't raise him on the radios. For some reason, he turns the plane around to fly back towards the space elevator. The same time, there's a bunch of drones swarming around him. And they say, like, trigger, you got you to gotta kill the drones that are on the president. So you shoot your missile at the drones. And then for some reason, your missile instead hits the president's plane and blows up the plane. And so then they brand you as an assassin who killed the president. <laughs> And then you get sent to the penal colony <laughs> because you got court-martialed. So now you're with the ragtag group of prisoners. You're pilot. not seeing the character? Not Trigger. You don't see the, that, that character. But he, but Trigger is the assassin? You are the... But, Aren't you Trigger? Yes, but you... So it's unclear if it's like... <laughs> If, if what I'm guessing will happen, my speculation is that the president's not actually dead and it was all like orchestrated by him to make it look like he died and that there was some device that he used to redirect your missile or something. But and but, but it's ridiculous. Wait, wait, no, but okay. <laughs> oh no, here we go. Well, I, but okay, I'm just so you're saying okay, so Trigger is the one who ends up in this penal colony, yes? Yes, with the people, with the woman who's been in the cutscenes. And then at the penal colony, they also but have you some. You don't see Trigger? No, you never see him. First, first, person, first person perspective? No, you don't ever see, a, you don't, you just don't see the character. It's like a movie. Your character, the, the Trigger character is just never in the cutscenes. And they don't refer to him either. Like he, he's sort of a cipher. This is how these games have always been. This is not New Days Combat 7. This is how the storytelling has worked in 4, 5, 6, and 0. Uh, and the characters around you flying in the missions do show up in the cutscenes. What? I don't know. Why this, this, this part is the part that is not that hard for me to process. It's not that weird. It's, just, it's such a bizarre storytelling method. I actually kind of like it because it means that you don't have to worry about the motivations of your character, really. Like, it, your character is kind of irrelevant. You could almost be, you could think of it as like you're just flying a generic, as a generic person. And it just so happened he was the unlucky one that killed the president. <laughs> but, uh, but that that's not like, 
he, he's they don't talk about him in the cutscenes. Like, oh, they, so like she says, like, oh, I heard there's a new there's a there's a new pilot that uh, supposedly killed the president. We'll see what he has to offer, and that's as much as she says about Trigger in the the cutscene. Um, but it's that's the part that is like Metal Gear is that these characters, a lot of the cutscenes are these characters kind of musing, waxing poetic about these philosophical aspects of warfare, um, in a very similar way to Metal Gear. There's not as the technology and stuff is not quite as wild as metal gear. Um, but like the big, the big thing, there's these two planes drones called arsenal birds that fly around the space elevator and protect it. They're these big, they're solar powered. They never, they never land. They can just fly forever. And they each have a fleet of like a hundred drones that that like drops out and flips over and then wings pop out and then they fly after you. So there's that kind of like anime crazy stuff in it. Um, but yeah, yeah it's a Chris lot of Edgerton. people. Chris Edgerton makes a good point. This makes kingdom hearts look like a children's book. So I don't know that I agree. <laughs> I think that they're both ridiculous in their own ways. Have you, have you gonna, played, have you played kingdom hearts yet? I've played most waiting. of the first game. There, there is no anthropomorphic dog that has a shield. He's a lot more bananas than I expected a game called it, it is. combat to be. Totally. It is. It's wits. It's, it's out there. And I like that a lot. And I'm not trying to pick on parts either. Uh, because I think that they're both ridiculous in different ways. Uh, I wouldn't say that necessarily one is has to be more ridiculous than the other one. But so, uh, what are the chances the president got norded? <laughs> I'm really happy that this that that Ace Combat Seven is has garnered any degree of like um, of of notice from the wider gaming space because none of this is particularly off the wall. Like in Ace Combat Five there was this, the pilots, you weren't sure through 90% of the game, whether or not there was a spiritual being called the demon of raspberries, like influencing your battles. (laughs) There wasn't, there's nothing supernatural in that game, but the whole time the characters would talk about like, the ghosts of Rosgrees and the demon of Rosgrees and how it's like, Oh, watching over the battlefields. I thought you said raspberries. <laughs> no, no, no. Rosgrees. R-A-Z-E-R-I-Z. Okay. Uh, so like th- this, this stuff has been, there's in Ace Combat 4, there's like a spaceship that you have to fly to the edge of the stratosphere where the planes can barely fly to blow up a, a spaceship. Like there it's called strange real for a reason. Uh, hey, I, yeah, I've I've never played any of these games. I've only basically known that they were like uh, um, flight combat. But this is not anything what I expected Ace Combat to be like. Let me just tell you. Yeah, no, it's great. It's really fun, and so it's been fun to see people's reaction because this is the game that I've been playing since I was like twelve years old. And so I'm just really excited that it's back the way it should be, and it plays really well. If it wasn't, if it was just this ridiculous story, then I wouldn't have anything. I wouldn't be like evangelizing it at all. But the thing is, is it's like in a world where these games just don't exist anymore. The like action combat flight game on this scale. Certainly there are indie projects that are good that, that, that attempt to do that. But this is like the visuals are incredibly good. Like when you fly into the clouds, 
the way that the like moisture clogs up, like fogs up your windows and stuff is really amazing. And uh, like the controls are perfect. The degree of different weapons and plane types, the planes feel different. Um, and like, it's just, and it's fun because it's a totally different thing than like other games where you're shooting a gun at planes because the way these planes work is they use their missiles. Like you have a gun that you can shoot things down with, but out of the probably 400 things I've shot down, I killed maybe six of them with guns. The rest of the time you're trying to get a missile lock and fire off missiles at them. Um, there's like alternate like sub weapons, like air to air missiles that can target eight things at once. So you get behind a formation of enemy planes, target eight of them and hit the button. And then eight missiles come out of your plane and blow up all of those other planes at once. It's just got really cool, fun over the top stuff in the game on the gameplay side that even if I like the convoluted, ridiculous story, but even if you're not interested in that at all, you can kind of skip over it and there's really solid level design and, and control there. It seems real weird to say that a game about flying has good level design because it's the sky. Yeah. I guess I should and say maybe in like mission design. mission design. Yeah. 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 Um, because it's and, and real so, good cloud placement. Well, but sometimes it, the, the, the landscape, like there's some levels where you have to fly through close yeah. to the ground through mm-hmm. like the cities that are falling apart. There's one really cool level that I haven't played yet, but I've seen played where there's like a fog, and then, and there's these AA sites on top of these mountains and you have to clip up above the fog to, to blow them up. But as soon as you come up over the fog, you get targeted by like four of them. So you have to pop up, shoot at them and then dip back down into the fog. And, and if you're in the fog around the mountains, if, you, if you're in the mist, then there's like some weird bug monsters. I that wish that would really be the, that's what they need to do is they need to take the strange reel to the next level and like combine it with EDF. Uh, <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, was, I might Shyamalan, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but oh man you're a plane in a supermarket they're they're that's that uh, that's uh the mist actually that's stephen king not m night Shyamalan. thankfully is it steve oh it is stephen king. you're thinking of the happening it, it had well it has it has a twist at the end that was very m night Shyamalan-y. kind of i don't know sure that movie's fucked up it's good. But you're right. Yeah. Stephen King it uh, mean or whatever. Anyway. Anyway, I would say that I, there's a lot there in Ace Combat seven. Like I'm already a quarter of the way through the story, but that's on normal difficulty. The stories are kind of made to play them at the higher difficulties. There's multiplayer, which sounds like it's peer to peer in a way that is not the best, but that it's also totally competent and console multiplayer games were peer to peer for <laughs> decades. So yeah. it's not like that's a game breaking thing. Um, uh, and it has plane battle royale too. Do a hundred planes take off from an island? <laughs> I don't know how it works exactly. I think it's actually just like a free for all death match. Oh, but but do they take off from an island? That's, you do that's take the... off from an island all the time, and the aircraft. Okay, so so land on aircraft carriers. If there's a hundred planes on an island and they all take off, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really think they should have done the battle royale mode with you controlling the drones and the drones. There were a hundred drones sitting underneath the arsenal bird. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point you could just push a button and drop your drone out from the arsenal bird. And then you'd have to thank the arsenal. Thank the bus. Thank the ar- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, at some point, if, if it goes on sale for a significant, discount i want to pick it up because i hear the vr mode is cool yep yep once the vr mode comes to pc up which they've I, all but confirmed it will because it is now listed as a um 
not a full PSVR exclusive, but a time mm-hmm. exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. I, I'll probably double dip and pick it up on PC as well to play it with a VR headset. Yes. That'll be cool. Yeah. You've probably kind of, I, I don't think I'm going to be buying this at full price by any means, but you've, you've somehow managed to get me kind of interested in this. So, <laughs> uh, and I would say to Best anyone story 2019, <laughs> I don't, we'll see. <laughs> well, I don't know. Based on what's coming out, <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, well, it's got to be, it's, it's not going to be Kingdom Hearts 3, but we'll, we'll see. It's got a better story than anything BioWare's put out for, for a while. Wow. Airhorn, airhorn. Okay. We'll come back to you, Pat, but does anyone else have anything they want to talk about? Any games? Yeah, I played. Wait, no, Allison, you played more than I did. Mm. We've been going yeah, I have a couple of games. <laughs> uh, segue. Um, so I picked up, uh, I had a pretty tough week work-wise. Uh, don't want to get into too many details, but it was just really, really busy and stressful. So on Thursday night, I stress-purchased New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. The strangest like, and realist of universes. <laughs> yes. Which, okay, um, I've never played... A joke. <laughs> I've uh, never played a new Super Mario Brothers game, and uh, this game's real good. Um, it's uh, I, I didn't play it on on Wii U, but the level design is really really good, and the controls feel really really great. Um, based off of reading some stuff, I decided to play as the newest uh, one, the newest character edition, which is Toadette, and plays if, if the the controls feel really fantastic and it's, it's been a really fun experience so, um toadette is is branded as like easier because yeah. of like the, the super crown or whatever uh has that do you think that's impacted your enjoyment either in a positive or negative way because yeah. like peach kind of she can like float or peachette can like float and like has like an extra jump and all sorts of weird stuff i think it's it is definitely easier because peachette is it does have the float ability kind of kind of similar to um super mario brothers 2 like peach Mm -hmm. controls i guess where you where you do have a lot more floating um and the super crown um is does have quite a bit of availability throughout the levels but um i don't think it's necessarily like overpowered in any way um i've heard that the easiest character nabbit is probably pretty pretty much breaks the game (laughs) i watched a uh, the quick look on giant bomb oh yeah i did too I, oh. they were playing four player and that looked like a nightmare <laughs> yeah yeah and i know a lot of people really like the um multiplayer and i think that's part of why i never really picked these up before just because i don't have a ton of people that i'd necessarily be playing these multiplayer with but the so far the uh, level design's been really fun. A lot of the levels feel very um, have really good movement. So a lot of the big pieces are kind of moving all over. So it it feels good. Um, so so far, I'm only about I'm I'm almost done with the second world. So it's not hasn't been a too big of a challenge yet. But I know that it, this also comes bundled with the new Super uh, Luigi Brothers mm-hmm. view, which is supposed to be a 
decently harder. So, but yeah, it's, it's been a good time and it feels like the level design and control are so good that it's, uh, I'm just glad that I decided to pick that one up because I'd never played it on, on Wii U, but it's, and and honestly, as somebody who does, who was one of the five people that owned a Wii U, I am genuinely really glad they're porting so many of these games over to switch, uh, just so that they can, get new life and then even new life from me who they spent, all those money, they spent all that money making those games they better get people true. To buy them. true absolutely and uh and i mean uh, the, the switch is some it's such a nice machine to use that i i certainly don't mind playing games on it uh i my my biggest wish right now is uh for them to re-release tokyo mirage sessions on Yep. So, uh, because that's maybe. literally. Oh fuck! It's no, because it's got all the fire emblem shit. I was like, maybe Atlas will put it on PC, but I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, but uh, uh, but but yeah, that's uh, that's literally the only reason I haven't that I've been keeping my Wii U around is because I'm like, I'm not have it just in case I need to keep playing it, or they don't re-release the release that. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, if if you haven't played, um. New Super Mario Brothers U. I definitely think it's a fun time on Switch, and uh, Toadette and Peachette are genuinely so fun to play with. So, uh, even though it's marked as easier, and you might not necessarily want to be the easier game, I, th- I think it feels so nice that I'm that is that is pretty fun, and then also it's a. Uh, it, it makes it a little bit more easy to get some of the collectibles and some of the coins and stuff. So that's, that's been fun. So it's a, it's a really great game. And I think uh, kind of shows how good 2d Mario is. So I'm, I'm glad I made my stress uh, impulse purchase decision. Um, according, according to one Jeremy Parrish, it is the best Mario game ever made. Yeah, I saw oh. that. And I'm like, I, and I like Jeremy Parrish a lot. So I was, uh, I don't know if I'd necessarily go that far, <laughs> uh, but it, you know, you could make an argument. I, I mean, just in terms no, of not no. as... <laughs> but yeah, well, it's, it's a, I think it's a very polished... Wah, wah. <laughs> That's made. That's on. That's not fair. You already got to talk about your game. If you're going to make womp womp noises or anything, it should have been bad. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, but it doesn't I have little dudes it. that go womp womp. How do you know? Well, that's fair. <laughs> that's true. That'd be really good if there were an Ace anything, Combat. Anything's possible in the strange real. Yeah. There is a character that talks about how much he has riding on your dying, like gambling wise another prisoner who's bet that you're gonna die there's yeah, a deadpool just like, just like the yep. koopa troopas yep so that's that's kind of a womp womp <laughs> what andre i don't know what, the, is, what are you saying the koopa troopas have like a oh man that pool going on for each other he's the next one mario's gonna stomp yeah <laughs> <laughs> or, or is it or is it like no this one's good this one's gonna get mario he's the one who's gonna finally get him <laughs> is that why they stopped to go wah wah is because they're just waiting for release <laughs> god yeah in reality they're they're all just members of a cult that is slowly marching to their own demise <laughs> mario's just giving them sweet release into the the 
but they, they, ha- they have to at least attempt to like harm Mario because if they don't like make the attempt, they don't get like their full. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Wow. What else did you play, Allison? <laughs> <laughs> the other game, uh, I haven't played too much of it, but today I played uh, through the first uh, class trial in Danganronpa, the first oh, one. Yeah. And uh, I really got into that. Uh, I, I think. Uh, the first, the I, I'm playing through the entire. I'm going to try to play through the entire trilogy, um, just so that I can get the whole story experience. Uh, and so I think that I, I I bought this during the winter sale on Steam, and I started it, and for whatever reason, didn't really get hooked. And I think part of that is that the game kind of has a slow start. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it does. Very. And you're wandering around, going like, and I know that there's going to be murder and i know that there's going to be weird stuff and i'm like when is this coming (laughs) but today i decided to finally just kind of push through and get to it and uh so i finished the first class trial and that was genuinely really fun um i'm still trying to figure out how i feel about all the mechanics for the class trial um because hmm? they're not good especially not in the first game yeah yeah because well because i don't the one thing i do kind of like about the trial is that it really makes it feel like you're it wants to make it go quickly which i think is not a bad thing um especially since i've i've definitely done that thing where playing like ace attorney games you're just like you're just like cycling through it 20 times going Mm -hmm. like where is this contradiction whereas here it's like got to do it now. It's got to do it now. But the one thing that was annoying and I don't want to, I don't think this would be necessarily spoilery is at the end of the trial where there's like a weird rhythm game component. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and they, I'm like, yeah, that never goes away. Yeah. They, they like change it up, but it they gets, change it up. It gets but. better. Okay. Okay. And I don't know. Uh, I don't want any spoilers and I don't know if that has some sort of, bearing later but it's uh but i'm like i i don't really necessarily mind all the weird you gotta shoot the letters thing because at least it's still kind of like that gets worse oh god and wait till you wait till you get to the driving mini game what you know there's the snowboarding one 2019 2018's game of the year you don't seem to like it very much. <laughs> but, but I think that with the, the, the thing that, uh, you know, with all those mechanics that I'm not necessarily having a great time with, I think that the story itself is, is good so far. And it has me already really intrigued for where it's going with some of these characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that um, the one part, the one mechanic that I thought was actually pretty solid, and I don't know how much that they keep this in future games, is where you are like literally recreating a uh, like couple, little manga scene of yep. the mm-hmm. crime. That also, and I there. think that's kind of a good thing where it kind of, it's basically like, okay, how like just to make sure you understand every like series of event. And I think that works because there are definitely times where like playing something like again, uh, an ace attorney, you get caught up in so many of the little minutia that you're like, wait, what happened again? So this is like, no, 
you've got all of this. Hmm. Let's make, I think that works out just fine. Uh, And, um, but it'll be interesting to see since this first one, you know, it was in many ways very tutorially for a little bit. So mm-hmm. it has a, nice little, inter- has a nice little story twist, even with that one. So it did though. I was, I, it was, it was interesting and it, and it had like multiple levels of twist. Mm-hmm. I, I think like where it's like character things were multiple and uh, it was kind of interesting because I, I definitely got one of the, uh, big pieces of evidence way before they I think wanted to, or at least like before the game told you about it. So I was just like, Oh, I clearly know who this is. We don't need to go through all of this, but then. Is it yeah. the, the like mirror stuff? Uh, it's the, all the details yeah, stuff think. written in blood. Yeah. 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 So the, one of the things the game does, I think it does it better in two and three is that with those class trials, it'll kind of, like it actually feels really natural the way their logic works and they're like going to lead you down a certain path. That's like, Oh yeah, this all logically makes total sense. And then they're totally like, wait, yeah, no, this doesn't actually work. Cause there's this one little tiny piece of evidence that makes all of this break. Mm-hmm. So then they're like, okay, we have to reset. But at that point they're all grumpy with each other. Yeah. Like it, it's actually, it feels really natural in a cool way. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just made After, me really excited to yeah. try more. Yeah, after you finish that, you should do the Danganronpa VR thing, uh, Allison. Oh, like on, yeah. On it's, a Danganronpa VR thing? It's, it's like, it's with the, it, it's with the people from the end of the first game. Mm. You're in like a small class trial. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I fucked up when I did it, so I have to redo it, but um, you get to go through one of the... Uh, I think it's it's like the last um, the last like execution mm-hmm. in the game, and you go through it, and so you're just like looking around as you ride this conveyor belt, and you're like, oh no! <laughs> and then like Monokuma comes down and like dances in front of you. It's, it's pretty I wanna, silly. I want to see the last trial in in three in VR. <laughs> oh gosh! I, I I'm genuinely really oh, excited to see some of that because i uh i am remarkably very like very few spoilers for this mm-hmm. like i kind of i remember i read some of the spoilers for one like years and years ago when i didn't think i was going to necessarily play it mm-hmm. and uh but i don't remember any of that so mm-hmm. yeah it's been so it's, it's been fun to uh it's an, play through, it's an interesting that. series with good characters yeah, and, and the thing that the other thing that um, I just wanted to mention is that aesthetically it's really cool. Um, I think that the aesthetics of, of it are really nifty. I, I like, um, I like the some anime murder. Yeah, anime murder. Well, and also just the like how um, everything's kind of set up, uh, like your uh, like basically like their cardboard cat cutouts, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Like the first person walking around and stuff is like popping up. Like it looks really good. Yeah. 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 So everything looks really, really nice. Um, it was a PSP game first, right? Right. So I, yeah. I wonder how much of that was like, we got to <laughs> account for draw distance on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be, but it, it, it works. It, yeah. it, I think it totally works. And, uh, it, it just in general aesthetically it, it looks really nice so yeah. 
it's been it's been pretty cool. Uh, okay, Alex, you want you want to share anything? Yeah, totally. Um, so too bad. Bam. So I played one game this week, uh, but I have something else to talk about that's gaming related. So, but first, let's get through some other crap. Sorry, I'm just also multitasking for our production for the video. So I finished a manga. I finished like uh, 40 chapters in a couple of days, and it was really good. It was the the manga following up The Land of the Lustrous, the anime that I watched, that I still hardly recommend to basically everyone. Uh, and, you know, that, that thing goes places. <laughs> like, it goes places I never would have expected, and that's super cool. Um, about halfway through two books, they're both really good. But the game I played is a mobile game. Uh, it was recommended to me randomly. Like I was just on the Play Store and it was one of those like, hey, this seems like something you would like. And I was like, I don't know, Google, I don't trust you. But uh, Masters of Eternity. Yeah, no. Mobile gotcha um, game. <laughs> no, it um, it was like. Moe. Yeah, love Moe. But um, you love Masters of Eternity. I'm not going to play it. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was like, yeah, it had this like four and a half star rating with like a couple million votes and like a lot of downloads. I was like, oh, wow, this actually seems like it could have some clout. Uh, it's called Cats Are Cute. And You're telling me you went, I don't know, Google, at a game called Cats Are Cute? Yes. Who are you and what have you done with Alex? Right. But like. <laughs> the man makes a good point. <laughs> so it's got this really weird art style, which feels deliberately crappy. Um, like it feels like it's like a step above stick stick figures. But yet, like, a lot of the environments, like, you can tell it's the same artist, but a lot of the environments are really detailed. But, like, the cats themselves, yeah, they're basically stick figures. And it's super cute. And uh, mechanically, it's okay. Like, the systems and everything make sense. But that game is hella boring. Like, <laughs> there's, like, four things to do, and none of them are particularly engaging. So The cats are pretty cute, though. Yeah, they are. Like, it's, it is adorable and it's kind of like Neku Atsume in that way where you're just collecting a whole bunch of cats and it's adorable, but like it has a 10 out of 10 from soft tonic. I don't know why it's not that great. Like, like there's an, like there's things you have to do, which is like feed the cats. They'll have like a little food bowl above their head. You tap it. Then you're just tapping their food bowl like 20 times and then it you feed them. And it only has one vote on soft tonic. That's probably why there's another one where it's like the cat's like, I want to hide. So you have a minute and a half to find the cat and you literally zoom out and tap on every tree until you find the cat. And it's like, it's, it's not that engaging. So I don't know if I'm going to continue with it. It's fine, but it seems pretty uh, shallow. Holy shit. It's got 30,000 reviews on appgrooves.com. And it's got a 4.9. I don't know why. Like, yeah, I think you've I, got I was, bad taste, Alex. I don't know. I was intrigued because like the ratings were high and there was a lot of downloads. I was like, this seems like it's probably okay, but like it's just mechanically really boring. Maybe, maybe it's for someone who just wants to relax way more. And I was like looking for something more interesting, mm-hmm. more engaging. Know. Like sure. it, one of the problems that I have with it is it's it's a clicker, right? Like it's a idle game if you want to think of it that way. But there's no way to automate the clicks, so like. Sometimes you're gonna oh. have to, you're gonna have to tap it a thousand times, and you're literally going to have to tap it yourself a thousand times, unless you do some of the cat activities like feeding them. Then they'll give you the equivalent of like fifty clicks, even though it takes you about the same amount of time as it would have taken you to get those fifty clicks. So, like, I don't know. It's but does it take fewer clicks? Yeah, sure. There you go. But there it's, you the go. Same, it's the same amount. Of time. Oh, whatever. I don't know. It's fine. I, uh, yeah, I wouldn't no, recommend but... it. 
<laughs> okay. That's uh, good to know. What I would recommend, though, is something that I watched, and that was Valve's True Sight for the International 2018. Uh, Pat, did you end up watching this? I have not yet. It is on my list of things to watch today or tomorrow, likely. So I think anybody should watch that. And that's like, if you care about Dota or not, if you know the people or not, I think it's completely worth watching. It's much more about the human element than it is about the game. And yeah, it's extremely high production values, uh, really dramatic. And it showcases like just why the finals of TI eight last year were so insane and like why Pat and I were both so hyped for it, but it's exactly what I've always wanted from like a gaming documentary style thing where it's, I mean, they've done this before it true sight. The series has existed for a long time, but the appeal of it is that you have cameras in the boot, like the soundproof booze. So you're hearing mm-hmm. what they're talking about. You're hearing the way they interact with each other. Uh, you're seeing their actual reactions and stuff like that. Like, it's much more engaging than watching, you know, from the stands where you're not actually hearing them. You're just seeing these five people from really far away, kind of moving their hands a little bit. So it's, yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, uh, it's totally worth watching. It's about an hour long and it's, yeah, 100% recommend that. Coolio. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share? Uh, cats are cute, but other than that, no. Okay. Okay. Well, then I want to hear. I want to hear about the other game Pat has been playing because it's my favorite game. Oh God! Here we go for another hour. <laughs> no, I don't have an hour of. Well, I do. I won't share an hour of thoughts about uh, The Witcher Three, but um, I have been playing uh, playing The Witcher Three pretty heavily as well. Uh, finally, um, I've started that game probably ten times. I've probably played enough of it that if it had all been in one playthrough, I would have finished it. Um, because I've done like everything through white orchard, a bunch of side stuff in Velen, and then like the Kira Metz first quest like 10 times. Um, but this is the first time I've ever like sought to fully push through it. Um, and, uh, so I have played, uh, the Witcher and the Witcher two, both a couple of times, um, in the past. So I'm, pretty in love with that world already. I don't know why it took me so long to get around to actually playing through the Witcher three. I've read the books. I've read the fan translated short stories. Like it's a series that I'm pretty interested in. Um, I just haven't really felt like I've had time to devote to playing a huge RPG. Um, but anyway, uh, that game is really, really good. Um, it's, I can see how it could be someone's favorite game easily. And, uh, it's, very likely going to end up very high on my personal list, if not at the top, by the time I finish it. Um, that game just has a really incredible way of um, telling stories that are, they have weight and meaning, but they're, they feel very earned, I guess. Like um, my partner and I were talking about this in that, like a lot of games will like, do stuff to tug on your heartstrings. Um, and that's okay. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Like one of my favorite games of all time is gone home and the whole build to the ending of that game is very much pulling on specific emotional strings to get you to feel a certain way. And it does that really, really well through its characterizations and writing, um, and, and voice acting and stuff. And that's great. That is like a brand of storytelling that I think is like super valid and it works the thing that the Witcher three does that I 
haven't even experienced in previous Witcher games is it, it, I feel like I can understand the mindset of Geralt and of the world on such an intrinsic level because the way everything unfolds and the way the characters are written and portrayed feels so real that it's a weird kind of immersion where obviously, you know, it's a third person action RPG with a HUD. Like, it's not like I feel like I'm in the world of the Witcher or something. Um, but, but it's very immersive from a storytelling perspective. And I don't feel like any of the choices that I'm making are like, Oh, I just, I'm going to reload and redo that. Cause I didn't like the way that went. Mm-hmm. I'm making decisions that are the way that I somewhere in between where I think I would react and where I think Geralt would react. And it's this really satisfying thing to see the story play out because even though like I, I played through the bloody Baron, which is the, you know, famous piece of content that seems like most people got through that and then stopped playing. Uh, <laughs> um, and that's, that is so loved because like I did not get a good ending to that story. And really there are no good endings to that story. It's a story about, um, abuse and, um, and, and toxicity and, uh, like misogyny in a lot of ways. And, um, it's, it's a, and some would say very much about redemption. Some would say not at all about redemption. Um, and so there's no really good all around way that that story can end because you're coming into it after damage has been done. Tangible damage has been done to people in their lives but the way that it ended for me felt very appropriate to the choices that I had made along the way, even though in some ways, and this is something I'm grappling with a little bit, there is a choice that you make that determines a huge part of that story that actually has nothing to do with that story, which is an interesting thing because for a second I was kind of like, that kind of sucks. I didn't know that this was going to have any bearing on that. And I didn't think it was, it felt kind of like a gotcha moment. Um, but the more that I thought about it, the more I think it just shows that like stuff in that world has ripples. And when I stopped to think about the way that that story ended, I felt that the outcome that occurred both made sense and I was okay with it, even though it characters died, you know, like major stuff happened, but I felt like, I still made the choices that I wanted to make and that the way that it ended while not good was not, um, it didn't feel like uh, a slap on the wrist for, for making a bad choice. Um, And I think that that's the thing that is the most impressive to me about that game so far is that there's a sort of Andre and I talked about this a little bit. There's that sort of like shades of gray style of moral storytelling that I generally really dislike Um, because I think that there are things that are absolutely wrong and there are things that are absolutely good. And, um, typically shades of gray storytelling revolves around this notion that that thing that you thought was so bad, is just on a spectrum. And I dislike that because it often leads to a path of redemption to someone that's really shitty. Um, and, and a, and a way to say that like, Oh, the, 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 the decision that you thought was the right one actually hurt people. And I think that that's, um, 
not good storytelling. And I think it's, it's kind of contrived. And in some ways it feels like it's always felt to me like, you know, angry, uh, angry people telling stories to make themselves feel a little bit better because they've made shitty decisions in the past and they want to find ways to justify them through their storytelling. That's maybe a little specific and I can't think of a specific example of that, but that's just the kind of vibe I often get from those stories. Whereas in the Witcher, the shades of gray elements are much more about um, showing you that sometimes there's degrees of bad things that happen to degrees of bad people. And it's less about justifying bad behavior and more about how you can, how, how do you react to these different things that, that occur um, that you can't control and that you can't necessarily even influence that much. Um, and so I just, I think it's really smart storytelling. That game world is really good. Um, it's fun to play it as a video game, ass video game and run around and clear out the question marks. And it's fun to go through the story and narrative and see the heavier stuff. Uh, and I'm now about, uh, I just started the Novigrad stuff. So the stuff where you meet Triss and, and start to see where that's going. And that is going to, it's pretty brutal early on, but, um, Another thing that that game does really well is it doesn't, uh, it doesn't feel like prestige television does to me often where it's just like, we're going to show you horrible things to get you riled up. Like there are people who get burned at the stake at the beginning of the Novigrad section, but it doesn't feel gratuitous or like lingering. And it doesn't, it doesn't have that tone and not to pick on, you know, people love it. That's fine. Not to pick on like, it but it doesn't have that game of thrones tone where it's like we're going to show you these people burning because the world is fucked up it's more yeah. like they're they're showing to you the the lengths to which things have gone wrong in this city in a much more metered measured way um that i really appreciate uh and uh it being a video game you're also going to get to like cut the heads off of a bunch of witch hunters which is fun too so yep god it's a good game it is it is i i i installed it and then i thought about playing it and i went no i have to play other things that aren't the witcher even though i really want to play the witcher again uh because it's real good uh but yeah so then i uninstalled it but um, maybe i'll install it again i don't know i don't have time uh you know what you will install cyberpunk i will install cyberpunk when it comes out after i update my computer um or you know upgrade uh, i'm i've got updates but uh yeah i was, I was gonna say something uh oh uh, you are planning to play the dlc yes absolutely yeah that's, okay good. that is good. that is definitely part of the plan because uh, oh man it's so good i am i will say too that uh i had part of part of the reason that i started and stopped it so many times is when it came out i played it on um, ps4 because my pc wasn't good enough to run it at the time. Um, and then I had a huge, I had a bunch of frame rate issues, um, in the swamps around Bellin, which is common. Um, and it really killed it for me. So I decided to wait until I could play it on a PC. Cause I had been planning to upgrade my PC anyway. So then I got it on PC 
and tried to start it a bunch of times. But at that point I had crazy work stuff happening. So now I am playing it on Xbox one X <laughs> because <laughs> we, we make sure in our house that we have that game available on every platform in the home. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, as, really one should. as one should, I should it's, buy it on PS4. <laughs> it's a really great experience on, uh, on a 4k TV mm-hmm. on the couch. It just, it looks so good still. And, uh, and, it, and now with, a uh, uh, with the kind of, enhanced pro consoles you can get it running at uh I'm not, i think it's running at 60 but i'm not positive um yeah, yeah. uh, uh bu- 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 uh witcher 3 on switch when oh god i can't even imagine i can't either it, it would be skyrim skyrim even occasionally chugs it's a good port on switch but it occasionally chugs a little bit on switch so i don't know that witcher would work if they can make the blight town in dark souls run at an acceptable frame rate i think they can make perhaps and maybe uh i played skyrim vr too that's kind of cool but i don't want to go on length about it because we're already yeah yeah for uh, we've been you know we've been going for a healthy length uh i think we didn't talk about destiny and activision but our destiny expert isn't here uh what Eh, I'm, I don't know. I I'm happy for them, but I installed, I updated destiny the other day and took a look at it and was like, I'm going to play this cause Bungie's indie now. And that's great. And then I opened up stuff and I was like, Oh, I have like 14 powerful gear. They got quests and they got it. The screen says 12 things that I can do. And then I have an objective marker. I don't know what that is. And uh, there's 37 kinds of currency and uh the map that i'm on is like really small but i'm supposed to keep doing bounties on it for some reason that i don't really understand it it suddenly became a free-to-play game yeah but but like yeah and and i don't mean that in a bad way i just no it's it's fine and it plays really well but like the 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 thing is and we kind of talked about this with sam a little bit um in our chat last night was like the thing is is that the carrot at the end of the stick is to be able to try to find a group of people to do a raid with, which I don't want to do. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I hope that, that them being independent means that they can make the content that they want and that the content that they want is weirder and more interesting. I think the the raids are the content that they want to make. Yeah. Maybe. But I've also heard that a lot of the microtransaction kind of stuff came from Bungie, not Activision. I mean, they were probably told, Hey, find a way to make this make more money. Yeah. And then that was like their least, cause I, like the microtransaction stuff, at least to start. And like now I don't think it's even that bad. Like you can get a lot of that just by playing the game. Mm-hmm. But if you don't play the game a lot, then like you can spend the money to get like more eververse stuff but you can earn like most of it just by playing i never felt like the microtransaction stuff was that bad you could get like mods for weapons that was the main thing that was gameplay affecting and but you can get them by playing too i don't know yeah that felt like i'm not accusing you of this at all alex but that felt like the outrage in news articles from that felt like people who don't play destiny looking for something to write about destiny (laughs) and taking a really sensationalist tact with it because that's what gets clicks that's sort of how it always felt to me maybe maybe early on like when we were unsure what that stuff was going to be like because like that stuff was all like free in the original game and then and like what making like shaders like that was weird that stuff like yeah that was like a weird choice where it's like why are you doing this but uh yeah so I, i don't know like yeah i don't know what like the decision 
like what decisions led to this because it always seemed like Activision was making the game they wanted to make and we'll never know like what active or Bungie was making the game they wanted to make. We'll never know exactly what Activision was coming in and saying like, yeah, you have to do this and this and this. And we'll see. I mean, maybe what they want to make is high end raid content and that's the audience that they want to continue to foster. And if that's the case, that's fine. That's I'm not going to play a, that's it. That's such a small part of their audience. Yeah, you would think so. But it, I mean, uh, like if you look at like, I mean, on PS4, you know, like if you look at the trophy data for like people who finished a raid and like, you know, it's like a, you know, like 1% or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I hope that they refine that stuff. I would love to see that game go through the kind of transition that, that wow did over time in terms of, in terms of casualization. However, I am aware that that would piss off a lot of people. So there's probably a lot of people that would hear me say that and go, Oh God, no, please don't do that. Uh, so I mean, well, I mean, there's like the hard stuff in wow for the people who want it. And then there's just like the, easier like so you just want the loot then you can just go through you can get like the basic loot we'll see like the lfg stuff or LFG. i just want to see the content if yeah, there's, exactly, exactly. Cool, so you can, if there's cool stuff in raids content, i'd like to see it yeah in an easier way but like the new stuff is like to keep the difficulty up but yeah and the older stuff is easier to play through like you yeah just do it with like a random group i think that could be really smart i don't know what they're going to do i wonder in the short term what's going to happen to destiny 2 Cause I've heard a lot of people saying that they can't actually take it out of the, the battle net launcher because it's still an Activision game, even yeah, though they I, now I, are independent and they own destiny, they do not own destiny too. Yeah. So, uh, so it sounds like maybe what'll probably happen is once they're done building out their season two content, they'll probably pivot to a new platform. Um, by platform, I mean a new game, like a new shell. It'll probably be largely based on the, the, the stuff that's in destiny too, but is it destiny three or is it destiny infinite destiny shadow of the guardian destiny i think it's something like that i don't think destiny three makes a lot of sense i can tell you this if they announce it as destiny three with the implication of someday there'll be a destiny four that will outright kill my interest in playing that game in the future if they say revengeance if they say this is our warframe this is our platform that we're going to work on forever Mm -hmm. We're at a place with games now where I don't need them to come out with a new game in six months or in two years to like have better graphics. So that's what people wanted from it in the first place. Like they wanted destiny two to just like be an expansion and be like, okay, you get destiny two, you get all of destiny one in there, all that content. And yep, totally. And that's what it really should be. Yeah. But I don't think that can happen now because if, if Activision owns destiny two and destiny one, then yeah, who knows? Content is probably stuck there which is a bummer, but oh well. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, that is going to do it for us on this episode 53 of Gaming Fix. You can find us on iTunes, uh, Google Play, anywhere fine podcasts are sold. And go ahead and leave us a review if you'd uh, be so kind. Uh, We appreciate the feedback and it helps us get noticed by people. Um, Alex, where can people find you? Yelp. Okay. Uh, isn't Yelp done? Isn't like Yelp like bust? I don't know. Uh, Best Boy Pat, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Jester PC, and I'll shout out very quickly. Um, starting on January 23rd, there is a big game of the game Eco that's starting. Um, this is a uh, thing that Jeff Grubb from VentureBeat is kind of uh, putting together. Um, it's going to have like over 100 people. The Giant Bomb unofficial Discord is in it now. The Waypoint Discord is in it now. 
Jeff Grubbs discord is in it. Um, it should be pretty cool. Eco's a, a Minecraft kind of game, except that everyone is cooperating to try to stop a meteor from destroying the planet. There's a lot of things like, um, animals can go extinct. You can cause damage to the environment. Global warming can happen. Um, so anyway, it's going to take place over the course of a month in real time. Um, Jeff put up an article about it on uh, venture beat. If you just search like games beat, it's one of the top ones or games beat eco. Uh, so if you have any interest in playing that there's instructions in there on how to get in on it. And I will be talking about that a lot over the course of February. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, Allison, where can people find you? Uh, can find me on Twitter at W R I T E R S E R E and Y T Y. And I will, I keep working, like plugging away at some blog posts. So, but I'll, I'll cross post in there. Cool. Sounds good. And you can find me at cool slaw C O O L S L four W on the Twitter. Uh, God, we all need to get off Twitter. Don't we? Um, Anyway, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining us. Like I said, leave a review. uh, And hopefully you'll be seeing some more more types of content from us in this year, 2019 video writing, maybe on some on the website. That'd be that'd be good. Uh, Yeah, that'd be good. uh, We'll we'll see. We got to actually sit down and talk about it. But yes, Mm -hmm. uh, we're all kind of busy with New Year stuff. Oh God, my ears! What just happened? It's the tinnitus. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> it was just a very strange thing that just happened. Okay, uh, wear earplugs at concerts, kids. Uh, yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, good night, everybody. Good morning. Good luck. Oh God, so long. <laughs> and that was Andre's last episode. Oh, yeah, no, I'm good. It was, don't worry about it. (laughs) All right. Bye. 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 Bye.